All right, the Positive Gains is back, and our special guest today is Anthony Lionheart-Smith. He is currently ranked number six in the UFC light heavyweight uh, division, and he has amassed 50, excuse me, 50-plus fights, soon to be, come April 24th. Uh, Anthony, thanks for joining today. Hey, no worries, man. I'm uh, glad we can make it work. Yeah, I appreciate you. So uh, let's get started in your background. How did you how did you get started into uh, MMA and, and a little bit like how you grew up? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in a small town. Uh, I don't know, about an hour and a half south of where I live now in Omaha. Um, okay. Just, you know, kind of I, I think a lot of fighters have a similar story. Just I, don't know, I was just a young struggling kid. I, I, you know, didn't have a whole lot of direction. My father wasn't around. Um, my grandpa was kind of my father figure. Um, and I struggled. I was a, you know, I'm a, I'm a half black, you know, kid growing up in a small Nebraska town. Can you can imagine <laughs> what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so I, I just struggled a little bit. Um, you know, long story short, I suppose I was getting a bunch of trouble, dropped out of high school. Um, kind of just a, I guess just like a ship floating at sea and didn't really have anywhere to go. And I, I seen this flyer for you know an amateur fight night and I don't know, man, I just was like, oh, I'll go check it out. So I went and I was only going to watch, um, turned, I ended up fighting that night. Um, wow. and kind of the rest is history, man. I just, I liked it. You know, I, it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't know it was ever going to be a career. I had no intention for it to be. I, I wasn't even sure you could make a living out of doing that at the time, but um, I just liked it and, and it gave me a focus. It kind of got me out of my rut and I, I, I just, I just kind of threw everything into it just because it was something I could focus on. Um, my mom was super supportive, you know, she's a, a single mom and raising two kids and, and for the first time in a long time, she'd seen me like really, really throwing myself into something like really focused, like really, really driven to be good at this thing. Um, and again, she didn't know I could, I could make even make a living at it. It was just, I wasn't getting in fights. I wasn't out partying. I wasn't coming home at four in the morning, you know, drunk off my ass. I, yeah. um, I was just doing the right thing. You know, I was living a normal life for the most part. Um, and so she did everything she could to support me. She, you know, she paid for gas and vehicle to get me to Omaha every day. And uh, I drove one way an hour and a half every single day. Um, wow. Just to train. Um, yeah. And eventually it was getting too much. I needed to be there more. Um, she helped me get an apartment and, and, you know, every Sunday she would come up and buy me groceries and make sure that I had, you know, enough money to, to, to not just eat, but for gas and anything I needed. Right. And she did that for a long time, you know, and, and really put herself in a tough spot, you know, just trying to help me, I guess, chase this dream that we didn't really know was a dream, I guess. <laughs> Wow. Shout out to your mom for that, man. Me being uh, yeah. so supportive. Um, did you have any formal uh, training like before you had, you know, seen that flyer? Were you involved Zero. in wrestling? Zero. Oh, wow. yeah, I was, I was, I, well, I was a wrestler. I did. I okay. wrestled in high school. Um, so I, I did have that. Um, but honestly, wrestling with no, no real understanding of jujitsu, it's mm -hmm. almost worse to have wrestling than, than to not have it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd never trained a day in my life. I'd never seen a live MMA fight. Um, I had, you know, I'd seen the UFC, like, on some, like, old VHSs that I convinced my grandpa to buy me, but, like, <laughs> I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so bad. 
uh, my first fight, I got caught in an armbar and I didn't even know how to tap. I didn't even know like what tap it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so you're, uh, I was reading too, that you did concrete finishing. So was that like the, the base for you until you kind of felt like, okay, fighting can be a, a career and I'll, I'll, you know, sustain enough money and I can kind of fall back on the concrete finishing. No, not initially, not initially. I, I didn't really have anything at the beginning. Um, mm. I, you know, I was doing like odd and end stuff, bouncing at bars and, and, you know, kind of stupid stuff like that. But the, the concrete thing started, it was, I actually didn't start working concrete until after my first UFC fight in 2013. Oh, okay. I blew my knee uh, and got, and got cut from the UFC. So mm. at that, by that time, I, I, you know, at the time I had a girlfriend who's, who, you know, all these years later is now my wife, but um, we had a small baby. So I, I had a blown knee, was cut from the UFC and, and I just needed to make money. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I went. I started as a laborer, didn't know anything about concrete, just, you know, had some work ethic and, you know, and, and I could be there on time. You know, I started at like $9 an hour and, and worked my way up until I was, you know, running my own cruise and, and was a, was a full-time finisher. Wow. Okay. I'm glad you cleared that up. And I, that yeah. And I, and I did that, I did that all the way until, like my fourth fight when I made it back into the UFC. Um, I didn't stop doing concrete until after I knocked out Elvis Mutopchik and hit my first bonus. So once I hit my first bonus, I was able to stop working. Uh, so with 50, 50 fights, man, I mean, how do you feel when you – you know, when you walk into the cage, I mean, I'm sure you feel a sense of, um, I don't want to say, I guess, preparedness. I mean, I'm not going to say that there's nothing that you haven't seen, but, you know, with, with 50 under your belt, you've got to feel pretty confident walking in there. Um, so if you could just talk about the experience, you know, leading up to whoever it is that you're fighting, how you feel knowing that you've got all those under your belt. Yeah, you know the the octagon is is probably probably the place I feel the most comfortable in. Um, I've just I've been there more than I've been in any other place in the world. You know, it's it's that's that's just my I guess that's my happy place. It, at the very beginning uh, of fighting, it was the only place that I felt like I belonged somewhere. Wow. Um, and that's that's kind of the beauty in the sport. It's the beauty in jujitsu and, and and kind of kickboxing is like they accept anybody and i think that was part of my problem in life is is i didn't feel like i belonged anywhere i didn't i didn't fit in anywhere i've, I've never i've never fit the mold for anything else so um you know mma and 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 you know jiu-jitsu specifically they kind of accept everybody um right that's kind of where it started in, in and then now it's, it's hard to explain. Like, I know that that's not the experience that a lot of fighters have. Um, guys, most guys are nervous. Most guys are, you know, 
even scared. Donald Cerrone talks about, about being scared a lot. And, and I'm just not. Um, and I think that's, maybe that's what makes me different than everybody else is I'm, I'm never in an uncomfortable position when I'm in the octagon. Some of that's my experience because I've pretty much been in any spot you could be in. Right. But the, the other part of it is that I think part of it's my upbringing and some of the places that I've been in life mentally that mm-hmm. like, like there's no place that a fighter is going to take me as far as like, you know, you hear fighters say all the time, like, I'm going to take that guy to the, to the deep water. Deepest waters. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm going to take that guy to, to a dark place. Like you're never going to take me anywhere darker than I've already been in my own head in day-to-day life. Um, and, and, and some of that's life experience. Some of that's my career. Some of that's self-inflicted. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of my experience, man. And, and I can see it in other people's eyes when I'm in there with them, you know, like, he doesn't necessarily want to be here right now. Like deep down he does because this is what he's focused on and this is his career and this is what he's dedicated himself to. But like in this very moment, he's not super comfortable. And I always am. Right. Uh, So commentating, I've always wondered, you know, you, you guys will work the desk and, and let's say it's uh, you know, a lightweight fighter or a heavyweight. Is it easier to be more transparent and, in divisions in which you're not currently fighting because you know obviously when you get a a 205 is it harder to get your point across without people getting their feelings hurt because not all the time like if you guys are being honest it doesn't mean that you know you're being disrespectful but i'm sure that some people take it as a sign of disrespect oh you want to fight me now whereas no man maybe you just didn't have a a great showing you know what i mean (laughs) yeah no fighters are kind of sensitive anyways so no matter what any any desk job you know desk show that i do someone's always going to get offended um what i've done a really good job of i think uh and i was actually talking to my producer uh for my serious xm show today about this exact same thing because i'm i'm actually bringing my opponent on my radio show this week um okay but what what i've tried to do is i've tried to i've tried to take all emotional responses out of my, out of my, uh, my analysis and my commentary. Um, and I think it's made me a better fighter actually watching other weight classes. They have nothing to do with me that I'm right. not attached to at all. No one that I'll potentially, no one that I'll potentially fight. Um, and just really breaking down how that guy would fight that guy. It's it, typically when you break fights down, it's for guys that you may fight yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I break down a guy in my weight class, it's how would I fight that guy? It's way different when it's like, how would that guy fight that guy? It's way different. So um, right. what, I've, what I've really done, tried to do is, is take all emotional response out of it, take all of my, my technical and, and biases that I've just gotten over my career. Like I fight different than you would fight, you know, like our, our styles are different. So I'm going to look at a guy differently. I try to make everything factual. Um, so it's, it's not hard for me because I just take myself, I just remove myself from it and I just break down their skills. So you'll never find a fighter that, that will say, well, Anthony said this about me and that was wrong. Um, right. Okay. I take that back. You will find you know, men and women that will say that I was wrong. But if you actually go back and look at what I said and then you watch their fights, it's very, very rare that I'm wrong. Um, and I'm not saying that like in a, you know, like an arrogant way. Like I don't ever give people black and whites. It's, you know, if you take the steep a, Francis Ngannou fight coming up uh-huh. my analysis of that my analysis of that is not going to be here's what's going to happen and here's who's going to win because I don't actually know who's going to win I can tell you though if Stipe does this this 
tests and this, he has a high chance of being successful. If he doesn't do those things, here's what, here's what will likely happen. And then I'll right. give you the flip side of that on Francis, on Francis Ngannou. If he does this, this, and this, he'll be successful. If he doesn't do those things, here's what will likely happen. And, out of, and so I usually give people like four scenarios. And out of those four scenarios, I'm almost never wrong. Almost always one of those things happen. And that's, and that's how I approach it. I just, I take myself out of it and I just try to just, you know, I look at their fights and, and here's how he throws punches. Here's how he wrestles. Here's how he grapples. And here's how that matches up against his opponent. If those things don't happen, here's what could happen. And it, so it's, I'm very different than, you know, like, a, like a Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy will give you um, his analysis of the fighters, but he'll never tell you what he thinks could happen or what could potentially happen. He'll just tell you where their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, so it's, it's cool. Like kind of seeing how guys look at it differently. DC, I love DC to death, but DC is a very hard nose. Here's what's going to happen. And, <laughs> and you kind of set yourself up for failure. When you do that. Yeah. You, you find yourself on the uh, couple memes uh, sometimes, but yeah, I, I get a kick out of watching <laughs> yep. them because uh, you know, you, you, like I said, you, you don't, you don't lie, man. And there's no backtracking. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of them. And like you said, a, the things that you say could happen in a, in a pool, one of those things ends up happening. Um, but yeah, I wish people would take their feelings out of it sometimes. <laughs> no. Man, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've had um, where I've been working the desk and then I'll go back to the hotel and there'll be like, like I tell this story all the time. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, Mm-hmm. cornered me in a hotel lobby one time and she was mad man she was like <laughs> you said this this and this and this and this and i and i tried to be so cool and i was like listen i said all those things and that's exactly how the fight went like i wasn't yeah. wrong like I'm, I'm not bashing you i'm not saying like you didn't even lose like i like i just said like sh- if you end up on the ground with that girl she's gonna out grapple you like that's what i said in the right. entire fight she got out grappled and then it, it turned out the fight, there was like a point deduction or a 10-8 round or something. And the fight ended up a draw. So she didn't even lose, but she got any time they hit the ground, she got totally out grappled. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash you guys. Like, I, I love you guys. Like, I'm trying to build you guys up. I'm still with you in the locker rooms. Like, I'm still a competitor. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm getting paid to give my analysis on a fight. Like, I'm not getting paid to, to, make, to, to make you feel good about yourself. Like, I'm going to be honest. Here's the facts. You know, John Jones has had problems with some of the things that I've said. Like, you've never heard me talk about John Jones's personal life. You've never heard me talk about anything that that's like private or not in the in the public eye already. Right. Uh, I don't care what he does. I don't care. I don't care how faithful he is to his wife. I don't care how many drugs he does. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about the facts and his style, and he and and that's offensive to him. But at the end of the day, like what I've said is very true, and I do it in a way that's that I try not to offend people. Like I do try to not be an asshole. But I'm very honest about about people's skill sets. You know, sometimes I feel like with you and there's there's a few other fighters that they you're almost titled, in my opinion, like the forgotten fighters, because like the last fight when you fought uh, Devin Clark, you know, people ride the and no disrespect to him, people ride the train and and sometimes they get so overwhelmed that they forget, you know what maybe you've accomplished or, or other people and, and they talk themselves into buying it, which I understand on the other side, you've got to believe that you can win a fight, but I honestly was not shocked, you know, that you would put them in that uh, triangle choke because 
again, the game plan, like you said, I, I don't remember. I think it was after you said something. Uh, oh, I wish I could remember what exactly you said. You weren't waiting. You said uh, you talked about the preparation for it, you know, that you knew that moment was going to come and, and, it, and it manifested in that way. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting mm-hmm. the way you said it, but, but yeah, I, there's, there's a few fighters that um, come off a couple losses and then magically people just write them off. And I feel like they do that with you. Sometimes you feel like that. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and I try not to let it bother me too much, but I see it, you know, it's, it's, I, I, no one's blown me out of the water, you know? So like this Jimmy Crute fight was announced and they're like, Oh, Anthony's done. This is his retirement fight. It's <laughs> Jimmy Crute's going to get him out of there in one round. It's like, Oh my God. Like one round you guys are giving me, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna make it one round. Like who's done that. You know? Yeah. Like, so, but you're right. People do forget. And, and that's kind of the, I don't know. That's kind of how our sport is. It's it, because there's so many fights that they forget about what you've done. And they forget. It's about what you, what, what have you done for me lately? Um, and it's like, it, sometimes it's like the Devin fight, the Devin Clark fight never happened. You know, it's like going into that fight, he's, yep. he's younger, faster, stronger. Uh, Anthony's, yeah. he's the old dog. And, and then I go in there and then I beat him and they're like, well, he sucked anyways. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, that's, you gotta get, you gotta just, I guess you just gotta roll with it, man. That's how they've been my whole career. Um, it's no different in the Jimmy Crute fight. It's, he's younger, stronger, faster. He's the next up and comer. It's like, man, I've said the same thing about Jimmy Crute. I think he's great. I, th- I think he's phenomenal, but um, I think he's young enough and, and confident enough to get himself into trouble. And I don't think he's technical enough to get himself out of it. Um, but there's, there's a lot of guys like me out there, you know, that people write off, you know, they've been writing cowboy off for a long time. And then he shows up and he has a great performance. Um, I'd like to hope that I'm going to be more consistent than cowboy is, but um, you know, it's, it's kind of, I'm just used to it at this point. So when you, uh, when you get away from fighting, obviously you're, you're, you know, you're a family man. What are you, what are you doing in your free time? Cause I guess camps run what, like eight to eight weeks, 12 weeks. I mean, I guess everybody's different. Um, so when you finally get away from fighting, how do you, how do you finally breathe and take the next step? Yeah, I do. Uh, I spend a lot of time with my family. Um, we're, we're like your typical, typical Midwest family, you know, like during hunting season, I'm hunting, um, during the summer months when it's nice. Um, we, uh, I got a, you know, I got an RV and, um, uh, we have, all of us have razors. So we got a big trailer and we, we just spend the summer pulling the razors all around the country and hitting the trails and the mountains. And, um, my kids really, really enjoy being out on the trails and riding and they like being outside. We camp a lot. Um, so we pretty much spend all the summer pretty much traveling all over the place. Just, you know, we got a big group of people that we ride with. So there might be 10 families. We'll just meet in South Dakota or Colorado or West Virginia or, or, you you know, Oklahoma or whatever and we'll just pick a date and we'll meet up there and go ride and spend a week out there and that's that's kind of how we spend our summers a lot of a lot of time in the neighborhood we have a really cool neighborhood here um most of the kids are all about the same age you know that I have a three-year-old there's a handful of three-year-olds and you know within a couple houses of here I got a nine-year-old there's a lot of a lot of kids that are in her same grade um I got a six-year-old again a lot of kids that are her same age so um so 
Um, I mean, there's probably 20 kids on any day that are just, you know, a lot of parents are be 10 of us, 10 parents sitting in a driveway and lawn chairs or, you know, on the, there's a circle right across the street and kids are riding bikes and skateboards and parents are having cold beers and trying to stay cool in the summer. It's a, it's a, it's a slow motion lifestyle for sure, but it's, it's what I like. That's great. I mean, slow motion is good. I mean, it gives you a, a way to break off of that fast pace. Go, 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 go. Um, another question I had too was, uh, you know, with the pandemic, um, a lot of people have told me that they like fighting without fans, that they are able to focus more on their cornermen, on their coaches and things like that, that they don't feel the pressure to have to, you know, quote unquote, put on a show in front of all these people. Is that something that you tap into as well? Or do you kind of lean the other way? You know, it was tough for me at first, to be honest with you. I, I, I really feed off for the fans. Um, I love the, like, there's, there's no better live sporting event than a UFC fight. It's, yeah. it's, it's just a different, it's a different animal, man. It's a different beast. And I really thrive in that, in that environment, whether they're booing or cheering, I don't really care. I just want them to be loud. Um, so it, it took me a while to get used to it. Um, I would much rather go back to having fans. To, like, I feel like it's a, I think at the beginning of it was almost like it felt like a sparring session, like in a gym, like it didn't feel <laughs> like a fight. Yeah. Um, and that was like, I, I don't know, like the fans kind of, because I'm never really nervous when I go in there, the fans always like pumped me up. It gave me like a, like an emotion. Uh, oh, okay. I, my, like when I fought Glover and when I fought Rackage, I felt very, uh, very dead inside. As weird as that feel, as weird as that sounds like, I wasn't like, I wasn't nervous, but I also wasn't super pumped up or oh. ready to roll. Like, you know, I remember the referee with Rackage was like, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, like <laughs> I was kind of, I was, I was kind of indifferent, you know, like, and I'd look across at him and he's like super pumped and he's just soaking wet with sweat. And he's like, you can tell he's nervous. And I was like, I don't really feel any of that. Um, but I feel like with the, with the fans, I always did, you know, like if you ever watch when I'm in there, I always like pace the fence and I yeah. look outside the fence. It's that's something I've always done because I'm looking into the crowd. Like I'm looking at faces and I'm like, people are pumped up and, and people like their adrenaline super high. And like, I feed off of that. And now I walk around the apex and like, look at the doctor and shit. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's taken me, uh, yeah, it's, it's taken me a minute to get used to it. Like before my coaches were always trying to calm me down in the back because I was super, like super jacked and ready to roll. So they're like, Hey, calm down. Like you still got a little bit. And now like with the, with the Devon fight, like they were just amping me up, like blaring the music and, we had Tupac and Biggie going wild and we we're dancing and like trying to get the energy super high. So when I got out there, I was, I like, I think we just timed it right. Like my energy was hella high. So I was able to just get going right away. So uh, it's, it's definitely taking adjustment. Um, yeah. I, it's always a question. Like I said, I like asking because some people are, you know, lean, lean one way or the other. Um, and then two, uh, you know, the media obligations, how hard is it on a normal uh, fight pre-pandemic? How hard is it when, you know, you sign on, you do your camp, and then you fly out that week, and you've got media, media, you're signing all these autographs. I mean, how hard is it to stay 
focused the entire time because it seems like by fight time, it's go time, but you could be kind of drained from all the extracurricular stuff, you know, that you have to deal with. Yeah, I, you know, I could see how a lot of people could be like that. Like at one, when I was fighting at 185, the media obligations were awful because I, I was cutting so much weight and I was miserable and I was hungry and dehydrated and I was just in a terrible place. Um, since I've been at 205, I actually don't mind it. Um, yeah. It gets me out of my hotel room. You know, it gets me something to go do because um, I'm usually pretty bored because I'm not like cutting weight and that's all I'm thinking about is the fight. So I, when I was cutting real hard, the fight we just drug on and I was like, God damn, is it really only Tuesday? <laughs> it took forever. Yeah. But now it just, the fight weeks fly by. It gives me, you know, I, I don't mind it at all. And, and now I'm kind of in the media world. So um, I understand that the, those guys have a hard job. And when guys are cutting a lot of weight, we don't typically give you a whole bunch of content, like kind of in shitty moods. We don't feel that great. We don't want to be there anyways. Yeah. So they don't really get a whole lot out of the fighters. So I know that, now the media looks forward to me, you know, to the, when it's my turn to come, because they're going to at least have a genuine conversation with someone who's not in a terrible mood. Understandably, those guys are in terrible moods. Like I I'm, I'm not knocking out all it's, it's I've been there. I've been one of those guys, but um, so I, I, you know, I try to make it as fun and, and enjoyable for them because they've spent all day talking to guys that don't want to talk to them. And what, uh, what advice would you have for, you know, somebody willing to, sacrifice and and you know want to get into mma because uh the thing again about your story is it wasn't it was very humble humble beginnings and it wasn't all you know glorified not mm -hmm. everyone's gonna be uh you know blessed like uh you know like a jordan burrows who again olympic champion but would have the opportunity to just fight right away you you know you had to work from the ground up so Advice for people like that, that, you know, come from a small town and humble beginnings like yourself. You know, my, my advice would be one, like you got to realize that, that some of us have to work really, really hard. Um, John is just, he's just gifted. He's just God given lots of gifts and he, and, and I'm not going to pretend like he hasn't worked hard for it because I'm sure that he has, but um, he kind of started on third base. So, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta work hard and then, and that's kind of a given anything you want to do, but you, you gotta expect pain. You know, there's a lot of pain that goes in the sport and you can't get, you know, you can't get down and, and, and get out on yourself. You know, you gotta have a short memory for sure. Um, and to be honest, one of the weird ones, you gotta work, you gotta have a job. Like one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was when I was younger, I, I tried to support myself on fighting alone. And what it does is it, it, it takes your ability to fight free away from you because you're so mm. worried about a paycheck. You're so worried about you have to win because you need your second check. It's the way the pace, it's the way the pay structure works in the sport. So um, when I was working as a concrete finisher, I didn't really need to fight. Like I didn't need the money I was by the, by that time I was making pretty good money working. So it was a, a big pain in the ass because I was training before work at five in the morning, working all day, and then training at night. But when it did come time to fight, I didn't have any reservations about money. I was doing it because I loved it, not because I needed to pay the bills or feed my family. So, um, one of my, one of my coaches here, like his, his, you know, he has a, a rule for all the fighters. Like if you're not, if your name isn't 
Anthony Smith, you need to be in school full time or you need to be working full time or you can't train here because he's oh, wow. he, he seen it. He's seen it happen to me. You know, I, yeah. it, it just it just it skews your view of the fight and, and you don't take chances and you're so super reserved. And um, so that that's one like that's one of the ones that I would that I like to tell young guys like you, you got to work. It's possible. I did it all the way until like my fourth or fifth fight in the UFC. You can do it. Um, so th that's a big one that probably a lot of people wouldn't think about, but, um, that changed a lot for me. And then I get, the short memory one is huge, man. Like yeah. you can't let, you can't let people, you can't get too up or too down. You can't let people on the internet dictate how you feel about yourself. Um, you know, when I beat Gus, I was the, the best in the world and I should, I was supposed to be next in line for John Jones to get a rematch. And then you lose and, and you should retire and you're done. And you, you, you just, you got to stay super even keeled and, and just like, if you don't have my phone number, like, I don't care what your opinion is, you know? And, and that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. Like if, if I don't care about, if I don't care when you're sad, then I don't care what your opinion is. And that's kind of how I, I, how I look at it. So, um, and, and kind of, you can make a game out of, you know, if you, if you're one of those people that, get super into the comments and, and that just tears you up, you know, like you just can't read them. But like now I'm at a point where if me and my wife get bored, sometimes we'll go on Reddit and just see what they're saying about me and we'll just make jokes about it and we'll screenshot them and send them to our neighbors and stuff just to, you know, just to, to keep it fun and playful. So um, when I stopped caring what people thought about me and, and stopped putting weight into people's opinions of my fight game and my style, then uh, I, I grew a lot then. Well, I know same people too, you know, they, I think the term is like checking receipts, you know? So when you're walking around, a lot of those people that are the keyboard warriors are probably the first ones up there. Hey, let me get a picture a autograph. You know, I always find that funny too. Um, but uh, I think we've covered everything, man. hundred percent, hundred percent. But I wanted to say uh, again, thank you for uh, coming on and, and taking time out of your busy day. I really appreciate it especially that, you know, you've got your fight coming up. Um, we're pulling for you. You know, my family and I, we're hoping that your uh, hand is raised victorious. And, uh, you know, you're welcome back on anytime, man. Awesome, man. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, keep knocking, man. You're, you're pretty good at this podcast thing, so keep kicking ass. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too.